0: This episode of Living Corporate is brought to you by Blind. Blind is a safe, trusted community of more than 5 million verified professionals. Head over to teamblind.com to get the latest insights into salaries, company reviews and interview experiences at thousands of companies worldwide. What's going on, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate, and it's interesting. You know, we talk about the gatekeepers. Now, back when Clubhouse was like relevant, I was on Clubhouse. This was like, what, a couple summers ago? Um, (laughs) And I remember I was in a a Clubhouse room with uh, Joe Button. and, you know, people have various opinions about Joe Button. I really appreciate who he is as, like, a creative. And, frankly, as someone who understands, like, the digital media landscape, very, very unique and, frankly, highly correct takes over the past several years. Anyway, so a conversation for another time. Please don't be mad at me because I appreciate Joe Budden. Um, shout out to the Virgos. Uh, so we were talking about in that chat room. Or club room, chatty room. well, I forgot. You know the the rooms where everybody's talking together, okay? In the room, uh, we were talking about gatekeepers and like power and black creatives and like what does it really look like to like really get on? And we all talked about the fact that the new gatekeepers are the algorithms, right? Like really getting into these systems and figuring out how to get your content to pop is work. Um, But it's scary because when you think about these platforms, the YouTubes, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Twitters, the TikToks, like you're just one viral post away from really your whole life changing. Right. From you getting access and creating wealth and and building your brand or building your company or building whatever it is you're building. Right. Um, And so in this era, more than ever, marketing and understanding strategic marketing is more important, right? It's not just about creating something good because there's plenty of great content out there that people just don't care about. People just don't listen to or watch or download or stream or whatever. Right? So understanding the landscape of marketing is just critical today for everybody. And not only that, but we're in this time where marketing, um, is more and more targeted and niche. And so there's a certain level of ethics and um, praxis that's and in, in, in right praxis involved in marketing to sub-stakeholder groups or po- populations, right? Um, and so with all that being said, I'm so glad that we were able to have Bianca Reed on the podcast today. Bianca Reed is a, a senior executive um, at Rain Growth Agency. She is uh, the VP of inclusive marketing and so we talk a lot about like this tension and dynamic between like working in a capitalist context and trying to like really promote these uh these individuals or or be inclusive like again like what does inclusion mean in marketing how can you honor um, and not exploit identity in a marketing context and 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 really just what does the future of marketing really look like you know so that we we talked uh we talked a great deal I'm really excited about y'all checking out the conversation. Make sure y'all stay here after we get back from tapping in with Tristan. All right. See you in a second. Living Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Doximity is committed to fostering an inclusive and diverse work environment where differences are valued, practices are equitable, and employees experience a sense of belonging that allows them to bring their full, authentic selves daily. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. So, if you want to learn more about doximity go to your app store and type in d-o-x-i-m-i-t-y again that's d-o-x-i-m-i-t-y when you're building a culture of belonging every word counts that's why textio brings the world's most advanced language insights into your hiring and employer brand content Our industry-leading approach to artificial intelligence and machine learning provides the tools needed to find more diverse candidates. In short, Textio builds more equitable workspaces, guiding businesses and writing more inclusive job posts. And we're building on that success by bringing even more products to the market for all people who share our belief that language matters. Words have power, and at Textio, we harness that power to increase the access and availability of value-driven work for everyone.
1: what's going on living corporate it's tristan and i want to thank you for tapping back in with me as i provide some tips and advice for professionals today i want to discuss how you can address job hopping with recruiters many people especially millennials and gen zers have ended up job hopping for various reasons maybe you were looking for better pay or the work culture was terrible no matter the reason this can be a red flag for recruiters Recruiters believe that your previous behaviors are the best indicators of your future behavior. That's why they conduct behavioral-based interviews. So keeping with that logic, they're concerned that if they hire you, you're gonna leave the company six months later because that's been the pattern in your work history. According to the Society for Human Resources Management, on average, it costs a company six to nine months of an employee's salary to replace them. So they're trying to reduce the odds of this happening. So if you find yourself in a place where you need to explain your job hopping to a recruiter, work on filling in the gaps and making them feel comfortable with you. Start by reflecting on each of your jobs to understand what you experienced, what you learned, what skills you gained, and what made you leave your job, or better yet, what opportunity was at the next job. From there, you'll want to walk the recruiter through what you learned and how you learned even more at the next job. When you get to your current role, you want to say something like, each of these opportunities has provided me with clarity on what I want in a job and the value I can bring to a company, which is why I'm seeking a company where I can have longevity. I firmly believe that my journey has brought me to this moment and provided me with all the experience I need to stay here and create results. This type of response will give recruiters the reassurance they need to move past your job hopping background and help you land your next job. If you aren't sure how to sum up your experiences, what you learned, and the skills you've gained throughout your job hopping experience, I would suggest you book some time with a career coach like myself to help you navigate that and create a more personalized response. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn.
0: This episode of in Corporate is brought to you by Blind. Blind is a trusted community of more than 5 million verified professionals. On Blind, professionals connect and have honest discussions about salaries and what it's really like to work at, or interview with a company you can also join your private company channel to have a candid and safe conversation with your coworkers about what's really going on and because it's anonymous you can be honest and trust what you read check out teamblind.com to get the latest insights and the answers to your workplace questions living corporate is brought to you by doximity doximity helps over 2 million medical professionals We are the largest medical network that includes over 80% of physicians and over 50% of physician assistants and nurse practitioners. We don't take that responsibility lightly and committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. If you want to learn more about Doximity, check out your app store at D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. That's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Bianca, welcome to the show. How you doing?
2: I am fantastic. Happy to be here and chatting with you.
0: Listen, um, I find this to be an honor and I just have to, you know, we do a, we have the interview and I do like the little intro and the outro. So I probably say something too, but I want to say it in the interview too. So you hear me in real time. I am so thankful for uh, Rain Growth Agency, like all of y'all's help. You know what I'm saying? Like y'all was down. This was like a couple years ago. Y'all helped me with my Kickstarter. Y'all giving me feedback. Um, on my website for free. You're giving me your time. Y'all introduced me to Westwood One. Now, they're racist, and that, that, that deal didn't go really well, but... That didn't work it, out
2: for you, but it's okay. It didn't work out. <laughs> it's cool. It's great. It's okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> and uh, I was like, eh, we can introduce you, but we don't control that whole pipeline. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> golly. I went over there. I was like, oh, okay, it's looking kind of crazy over here. Dan Borgino and them. Uh, but anyway, so that was great. Y'all just <laughs> yeah. been extremely, extremely helpful. So, I just want to say, like, thank you. Um, off top. Of course. Um, and then also like to y'all's, y'all's founder, CEO, like just y'all's whole team over there. I know, no, Sasha's not over there anymore, but shout out to just everybody that helped me was like, everyone, super great. So, um, how are you doing?
2: I'm great. And what you just said is why I stay at the agency. I think it's, I work with amazing people. We have great founders. Also, they truly, when I say, Hey, this is beyond diversity, equity, inclusion, this is about doing what's right. For someone who maybe may not be able to have doors open for them in the same way that our clients do, they're always on board to say, "Okay, what can we do to help?" I think I appreciate the humanity of working with them. I'm great, busy. Business is good, work is good. You know, I have four kids and a husband who's in the military, so life is always a little wild, but it's I'm doing very well.
0: So I so look, you know, I got the one. I got another one coming later this year.
2: Congratulations!
0: Thank you very much. Four feels like a lot.
2: Yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, they range from 18, my bonus son is 18, and then all mm. the way through to my little girl who just turned six, and mm. my husband and I, like, we stay moving, they're all in sports and activities and college and kindergarten, it's it's a journey,
0: it keeps us busy. It keeps you busy, it keeps you young too, right? And, it I, feel like it, and I feel like it kind of keeps you reflective and thankful, because I mean, you get to see how they're experiencing in the world and finding, just discovering life the things that you may kind of take for granted you see them kind of experience for the first time and their eyes get big at least emory this is her eyes get big and just everything. She's like whoa she's, she's learning uh just saying, cool a lot right she'll like, say cool whoa and i'm like wow it's just a closet but this hey is this why, is a great but It's closet. new to you <laughs> and you know i, I should be thankful for the closet go ahead no no go, go ahead
2: i think the coolest part also is with my sons watching them Experience a world where they don't think gender is a huge factor in deciding someone's talents where they don't see ethnicity. It's just watching that evolution of that Gen mm-hmm. Z and younger generation. It makes me so hopeful for the future because they don't they just think differently than we do. And it's exciting.
0: It's really exciting. Um, OK, so you're here. It's funny, you know, living corporate, we consider ourselves a bit of a a digital marketing hub right. for black for organizations seeking to engage black and brown talent we do that just because of the content that we create we're also like a learning platform for folks who want to learn how to just grow as leaders and potential allies and conspirators or whatever these white liberals are saying you know i don't know what these terms are. i don't
2: know. whatever
0: uh but the point is is that like i don't know if we actually talk a lot explicitly about marketing like i don't right. know if we've had a lot of conversations about marketing like the marketing agency i know we've had goddess rivera folks will probably know it from Twitter, and, and um, but we haven't really talked about inclusion marketing, but here I am, sitting here, talking to the Vice President of Inclusion Marketing at a global marketing agency. Simon, give me the horns right here. Um, talk to me a little bit about what is... I, I think we kind of all have an idea of what marketing is. What is inclusion marketing?
2: So... As we define inclusion marketing or as I defined it is really is making sure that any work that you are doing truly reflects the world around you. So part of being inclusive means that if you are trying to sell a product to women who are 35, 54, are you really looking at both the ethnicity of that group and not just the majority of it? Because it could be that the majority may be white in that segment. But the influencers within that segment are the heavy influencers, or for example, African American or Black and Asian Americans are the quickest adopters of technology. So your focus may say, okay, we want to reach women 35, 54, but you're reaching, you're targeting white women who may not have the highest consumption of technology. And so you're missing out on the. The low-hanging fruit, the ones who would be the fastest adopters of your product, the people who would honestly go out and influence the other consumers to purchase. So it's really making sure that not only in your marketing, you accurately representing various groups, so that's gender, that is ethnicity, that is socioeconomic status, but also in that same breath, you're removing the biases from that, you're removing the stereotypes from the work you're doing, and you are reaching them in a product that they truly want that resonates with them. So it's a lot that happens with inclusion marketing, but I think when people say general market marketing, that word shouldn't even be used anymore because if you look at our 2020 census, it's shifting so much that gen pop is not something you can depend on. So general population is not something you should be thinking about as your sole audience. You should be thinking about this as this beautiful arrangement of (laughs) ethnic groups and uh, genders and people who identify in different ways as well.
0: That sounds so cerebral. Like, I mean, I love it. It does, right? But it sounds really cerebral. It's actually more
2: database than people realize, right?
0: Yeah, I was about to say. I don't think that that's like, you know, like, I don't know, like we think about kind of like marketing, like on how they talk, how they show it on Mad Men. I have not watched Mad Men. So like for the, for the record, but I'm just, it kind of looks like there's a bunch of white guys walking around in suits like, yo, like, just like, you know, put an ironing board on a billboard. Right. It's, it's not like that anymore.
2: No. And. I think also the money. So when we talk about inclusion marketing, it's part the right thing to do. So it's the right thing to do to reach an audience, to resonate with them with authentic language, having re- relevance to their culture as well. To be black means so many different things. Half of my family's Afro-Latina. So their experience is very different from my family who identifies as black. They have a completely, the Afro-Latino side has a completely different consumption habit culture. So to kind of blanket any category is really challenging when you're trying to reach and resonate with an audience but digital marketing allows you to have that unique targeting to each of those audiences i think what people see is bad data showing small numbers and they're like it's not worth my investment nike cracked this code a long time ago nike said if we market with this audience we get everyone else for free and that's what they do. They market to a diverse audience who influences an entire cultural shift every time they do something or release something. Adidas does the same thing. They knew that getting Beyonce reaching a multicultural audience would have an overall impact on the global population and how they consume Adidas products. And so it's not new or rocket science. It's honestly people getting over their bias and really leaning into what the data is showing where the future of, our, of America and where we're looking at globally as well.
0: So two things. This conversation reminds me. First of all, Bianca, did you watch or do you watch The Office? I do. I have probably every episode. Okay, great. So I have as well, like several million Americans. Um, And like I was pulling up this quote and like from Dwight, like there's this episode where Dwight was trying to get Daryl to join. no, No, Dwight built a gym and then he wanted to grow. He wanted to market the gym to everybody. And so this quote was crazy. And I'm like, yo, this is like so sadly true or scarily true eerily true he says i know how to build a business you got to get the black people to do it in order to get the white people to do it then you got to get the black people to stop doing it and so like as i hear what you're saying about like influencer marketing or like getting it's like i do believe that black black and brown folks are highly undervalued like in terms of in terms of like our role in influencing and moving like product or like a movement or people kind of doing whatever like we are seen as cool like so it's like yo these are the cool people doing this thing like if they're doing it like we and so it's also like interesting because like i think about if like when you talk about like inclusive marketing is what i'm noticing so of course you know i'm in this media space so what's interesting is like i'll be like on um apple Podcasts or spotify whatever and it'll be like living corporate right And then it'll be like, if you like living corporate, you'll like all this other stuff. And it's like, I wonder, like, do we really value or appreciate like all of the, even if like, even the, the quote unquote, um, the micro influencing that happens by marketing to a brand that, or marketing something that might not only, might only reach tens of thousands, but then there's a trickle or expansion that they're reaching, you know, millions of people.
2: Right. It's powerful. I mean, even when what you're talking about is algorithm work. And that is such a powerful thing because who's behind algorithms? And that's something that why it's so important. Every time I do any speaking event and I'm talking to high school or college students, I'm like, go into technology, go into advertising, go into marketing, because the power of shifting algorithms can also shift how our businesses can thrive. The power of injecting a a deeper thought process into technology also acknowledges that other businesses can thrive, grow, and you can reach a target audience that is probably being somewhat stifled by your algorithm or your data or some piece like that. So I think that's one big thing that's important for black and brown people to get more involved in. I also think that there's a big topic going on right now about black influencers being paid a lot less by brands. And that's something that not good. No, not good.
0: I have a friend of mine who was telling me like, you know, like, you know, she she was taught, talk- this was like, this was years ago, but like, she was talking to like a white mentor where she was charging brands, like, I don't know, maybe like five to 10 K for like an Instagram post and maybe like a few K for an Instagram story. And she's finding out like there's white influencers who have like the same followership now. So it's not an issue of like, oh, they have millions. You only have like 10,000. And they're charging like five, six k, five, six times more than, and getting those bags right. So like the, so the, you know, you talk about like over a year's time, my friend might end up making like maybe sixty or seventy k for the year. Then you compare it to like a white influencer who's making like ten times that. You know what I mean?
2: Right. It's painful, also, and I would always encourage. Them to live black and brown influence to lean on data because I also think that's what gets it is you have an agent or you have someone that's progressing them through and they're not leaning on the data of it and saying, I have a higher, I have some of the highest engagement. When I kind of use a product code or something like that, you see a greater reach. I think one, they're fighting that and they're also fighting algorithms. So it's two things it's making sure they're using database as much as possible to get their money and their worth. And if we're being honest, this isn't just something that happens for influencers. Black celebrities get paid less. (laughs) Black, uh, even within corporate America, when they analyze salaries, we're getting paid less in general. So I think it's it's a a systematic problem that crosses over into this environment as well. But we're also at this crucial point where how do we shift that narrative? How do we get ahead of it? How do we fight back, quite frankly, against getting underpaid and When all those Black influencers said, we're not creating any more TikTok dances for a while, the platform felt that impact. And so how do we use it? I think sometimes in our protests, we have to consistently, it's not cancel culture. It's how do we tie back our trillion dollars of buying power to kind of shift and influence things in our favor. And I think that's sometimes where we culturally have to line on hate. How do we set the standard and say this isn't going to happen anymore? And it's more complex than that. But I think those are moments that we can kind of control our destiny a little bit.
0: I'm right there with you. I mean, also, some of it has to do with just saying no, like, no, I'm not going to do it. Right. Like, so, like, you know, there's okay. So you're in. so again, I'm talking to a marketing executive. So let me like let me talk to you about let me give you a little bit of tea about what happens over here in the little living corporate world, Bianca. So. um. Every now and then, so one, you know, when I think about how we get interviews for Living Corporate, I don't really do a lot of, I don't do a lot of pushing. Like I interview people, I reach out to a couple of people that I like, the Bianca Reads of the world. And then I get a lot of um, requests, like from Penguin, uh, Viking House, and you know, you know, you know how the game goes. People reach out to you. What I'm also noticing though, is every now and then, and I'd say every now and then, I mean like a couple of times every month. I get like this, um, I get like these DEI marketing agencies or just marketing agencies. They might not even be DEI. And they will hit me up and say, hey, we have, we've been hired by whoever, some institution, some multi-billion cap institution. Would you like to interview one of the executives at the, and I was like, and so I I picked up the phone one day because I was so flabbergasted. I was like, so wait, so so I understand. So you got a contract with this big company and they paid you for DEI marketing. They said, yes, that's okay. And so now you're hitting me up as a third-party vendor and you're asking me to do that work for your contract that you got paid for. You want me to do that for exposure? And And I'll be like, well, you know, um, it's a great opportunity. And I'm like, have you seen who we've interviewed on Living Corporate? Now, like, now if this was like three years ago, Bianca, I'd be like, cool, I'm I'm a but like, I'm a I'm gonna keep it a thousand with you. Like at a certain point, it's like, like, of course, like if like Barack Obama pops up or whatever, yeah, I'm gonna say yes, but like we've had a lot of brands, like a lot of a lot of brands. So it's like, yo, I'm not really tripping about the senior director of whatever at peloton or yo plate yogurt like i don't care like and, and like that's insulting but it happens all the time Where like i feel like black and brown folks particularly like we're talking about marketing but like just even in the creative and influencer space like we're asked to do so much for free in this in the in the spirit of well if you say yes this if you work for us for free then maybe there'll be an opportunity down the road to get paid and it's like did you take your contract for free?
2: No. And I would encourage you to have a contract prepared that said, if I take this guest on, you will run advertising on this podcast for the next X, or you buy into odd, odd podcast. And in addition, because you're doing a diversity effort, you're going to buy this podcast ads. And in addition, I want you to support a black or brown founder and buy podcast ads for them. And I think that's where we have to start negotiating differently and say, cool we'll have them on for free but that comes with a rider of you doing x number of advertising or you doing this because that's what's happening in general market they don't just let you be a podcast guest they're like cool but what else are you going to do or what how if i'm you're scratching my back i need something And so all of that is us negotiating differently. And I get sometimes it's hard because you're negotiating with another black person who is like, come on, just help me out. And I'm like, (sighs) we are not helping each other out if we take this approach. Like, I want to help you, girl. I feel it in my soul. I get it. But we are not taking the same approach. And so let's align on collective uplift of our culture and community. Let's align on that. And then how can we make this work so that we both see growth?
0: Bianca, that's triggering because you just said something, too, about so cuz that be part of the little game they do sometimes mm-hmm. they'll shuffle out it'll be like a white owner institution, but they'll shuffle out a black person to ask and I'm like yo you don't own that company so like we're still not helping each other like I'm not doing you a solid like and you're not doing me a solid because like the truth of the matter is if I re- I could reach out on my own and get this person to interview for the free like that's not that's right. not a win you know what I mean like and that's that's the thing that just anyway so okay, this is helpful. Um, And I agree about the community part of how, and negotiating differently, because everything doesn't have to be a direct cash play. It's about understanding total value. So like, that's a great point. Um, And then also having documentation and paperwork prepared to present, right? It doesn't have to be like this hyper combative thing, but if you have a point of view in terms of what you're looking for, like that's a, that's a win, especially to your point, like and I do want to get back to this thing about the algorithms because I feel like when it comes to marketing, like I just, like, algorithms seem to be the new gatekeepers. Like, it's like, it's so hard to break through. And like, I'll say even for me, like there are times when I look at our data and it's like certain things go perform really well. And I'm like, Oh, I am confused why that performs so well when I found this content to be much more compelling. And frankly, like the personal right. conversation I had around this content was much more engaging than this thing that apparently is getting you know a about th- like you know thousands of downloads in a couple minutes like you know it's just stuff and so it's it's just it's it's interesting like what advice would you have for like for the black entrepreneur the black and brown creative just trying to like post content on social and like get a breakthrough
2: I would say a couple of things. Content is king and you have to pay attention to relevant content because these platforms are not structured for organic engagement. They are structured to have paid advertising, which is why it's free to you because that's how they profit is advertising from brands. So what they have to do is get keep you engaged, but also keep you engaged to also engage with their advertisers. So, but then they also can't have advertisers doing so well that they lose profitability because, you know, their ads performing so well, suddenly their cost pers are amazing. So it's just this kind of, um, push and pull as well. So the first thing I would say is content is King. You really have to pay attention to at that moment, which is so much work. People just talk about social media. Like it's this easy blase thing. It is so much work so the first thing is looking at content. And I don't really think making a ton of content and having it sit in the bank helps because you do something and then a trend shifts and now you got a bunch of stuff you can't leverage. So my first step is pay attention to relevant content, use relevant music, use relevant lengths. If, if seven seconds is working right now, get your message to seven. If 30, like play, you have to test and learn constantly, which I realize is exhausting. My other thing is find youth find a college student, they spend so much time in the algorithm and in the systems and they are essentially the the young hackers of our day. So obviously an agency is amazing if you're at that budget level, but most founders are not at that budget level. So my recommendation is find a college student who's studying marketing, pay them. Do not not pay your college students, pay them. Like, don't do that to people. Free labor is still free labor. Don't do that to people. So pay your college students, set up an internship program and say, here are my brand guidelines. Here are my do not dos because the youth will also go nuts on your platform. And I'd be like, no, that is not appropriate for what we do. So you have to set firm brand guidelines for them, but also don't be so restrictive that you don't allow them to be creative because what tends to happen in marketing and I see from founders so much, and this is founders, white, black, across the whole spectrum they keep selling to themselves and being like, but I loved it. And I'm like, yeah, but you are not buying your product because you created the product. So who is your target audience? How are they consuming it? What's it resonating with? Um, The other thing I would say is when you look at within Instagram or Facebook, you can see what audience that your content is resonating with. Pay attention because if they like something different, say, okay, I'm seeing... Younger generations engage with this, but I'm saying people with money engage here and just kind of make sure that you're reaching your target audience with your content. Stay consistent. The algorithm favors the consistent ones. It does not favor the ones who are like off and on and off and on because what they want is you to spend as much time as possible in your content, or sorry, as much time as possible in your platform because that allows them to go back to advertisers and be like, oh my gosh, this audience spends all day in our platform. They spend 10 or 12 hours, like they're the ones you wanna go with. So I think that's the three things is first, content is king. Second, leverage the youth. They know what they're doing in platforms. They pay attention to trends. And the other piece is leverage data. Understand, don't do 58 platforms if your audience is only Facebook and LinkedIn. If your audience is TikTok and LinkedIn, don't don't dilute yourself so much that you're just doing mediocre quality across everything.
0: Mm, Bianca, uh, you know it's just again the it's the expertise for me. You know, what I mean that's where I appreciate. And you're you're absolutely right. Like the what resonated with me, of course, you're right. You're the expert here. But what resonated with me is like the work. It's work. It's not. It's not like oh. I'm, I'm not going to just like create, slap something and put together a real quick on Canva post it, and it's going to get, a, you know, a million engagements. Like that's just not the way it is. But, um, you know, just flex bomb for you. You know what I'm saying? Dropping knowledge, dropping wisdom. It's interesting. I've been having conversations with colleagues um, around me in, in and outside of my nine to five, outside of my nine to five, like trying to figure out, like talking about how to really just market product and product i'm going to say product generally here it could be anything right um is it is it wrong to say or is it misleading or the wrong the wrong thought to to have the position that marketing is more about driving or selling an experience rather than the recipe so to speak
2: i would agree i think you are selling I think one big misnomer that happens when people say, for example, I want to reach a target audience and you want to sell an experience because data shows that black individuals, um, Asian, Hispanic, most ethnicities will lean into a product that acknowledges their culture, that acknowledges their personal experience. They love influencers that resonate with your culture. And if you're Hispanic from New York, that can be very different from being Hispanic and being from the West Coast. So acknowledging those cultural differences makes marketing an experience where you forget the key is to forget you're being marketed to. That's the key to have this experience that really stops you from being like stop selling me things and immerses you with the brand. And that's why I quite honestly influencer marketing works so well. I have a client who I just adore who works uh, they have a product a shoe that's in the active recovery space. And they have been working with Dawn Staley, and she's just incredible. But part of what endears, I think, the audience, the consumers to that ad is you get immersed in her life, her experience. You're like, whoa, I'm I'm watching a video about the GOAT, the greatest of all time in college basketball. So it changes your experience, and that is truly the power of marketing. It's how do you... Make me forget I'm being sold to, but also being really clear about what the product is. So I'm like, I want that experience. And that's what converts sales, I think.
0: It's just so interesting. Like, I I just I was talking to someone about this idea of like what it like when you talk about trying to you want someone to buy you want you want something to convert. You want folks to spend dollars. It's like people aren't actual. They don't actually care about how. um the gigahertz or whatever in this piece of technology or the 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 resolution of blah 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 of course they're going to be people who like are enthusiasts and who nerd out about the technical things but like the broad group of folks they're not that's not what they're looking no. for and that I, I feel like there's like like the brand i continue to like talk about them because i like as i get older i'm like you know what like no they actually are like probably the best some one of the best marketers on the planet is nintendo like nintendo yeah they their graphics are not that good. <laughs> and like they've but, never been like, but it don't matter. Like I'm still no. gonna go and play Mario. I'm about to go get this Nintendo Switch and I'm gonna hook it up. We're gonna play Mario Party and and the whole and because because they're not selling you on look at how beautiful our games are, even though the games are cute and they're pretty, they're selling you on family experience and fun. Nostalgia, like they're you wanna yeah nostalgia they're selling you on community and it's all coming together and you can do that with nintendo and like i, I just don't know if like kind of going back to the top of our conversation like there's so much um cerebral work that goes into this right. and to your point a leaning and dependency on data um that i just and i don't know if like the bro like the if we're all like really like leaning into that as we should, but I, but as I look at the big, big brands, there's commonalities. Like the big brands are great storytellers. Absolutely, They sell experience. Um, and they have a, and they, and, and they don't actually really focus on giving you a particular um, sub component of something. They're just going to sell you them, right? They're going to sell you the experience that they can help provide. And then once you get into their ecosystem, Then, you know, you'll kind of get guided around. But ultimately, it's about you want to experience that brand and you're excited about whatever that brand is doing because they're they're they're, they're, they've associated themselves with an experience. Am I am I off?
2: You're completely I think the greatest examples of that is Disney. Disney owns Hulu. Disney owns ESPN. Disney owns a wide range of things. But what Disney does so well is one, they leaned deep into multicultural. Disney knew that was the future of where their growth was gonna be, and they leaned in deep, but they create such an experience. Like you watching Kanto and everyone's singing it, and it's winning Oscars, and it's the top streamed. but it's because they lean into an experience, and when you talk about inclusion marketing, that movie is so mm-hmm. inclusive. You see skin tones, and colors, mm-hmm. and ages, and couples that are mixed and matched differently, and it's just a really beautiful experience. And that and it's working. Notice you're not having any issues with a white American audience being like, man, that's not the movie for us. It's because despite what they did is part of immersive experiences to find the commonality and they found family as that commonality. And then through that, they intertwine the beauty of culture. So I really Mm -hmm. think that's a key. I completely agree with you on Nintendo. I mean, my sons are 13 and 11 and both have Nintendo DSs. They have it. The graphics are horrible. Like, they're not good, but it's a right. new way to catch Pokemon. They're bonding with their dad over it because he has one from forever ago. My, I'm now looking at my $700 of Nintendo Switch is just sitting there for the DS, so I'm offended, but it's fine. We're, you know, you having your mom with your dad, catch all the Pokemon you want. But you're right. <laughs> I mean, Nintendo, I don't even play games, but I have a brand affinity for Nintendo because it feels like it connects me to my brothers and my cousins and this nostalgia. See that? So They do a really good job. They do.
0: Look, before we let you go, like this, because we could talk forever. You know, I do want to. I do want to talk to you about like any. So, let me not project on you. Let me talk about the tension I feel. So, when we were in partner, when we were we signed that deal with Cumulus Media, specifically Westwood Mm -hmm. One. um, You know, there was a desire for them to just like do um, ad insertion through all of our content, right? Because they were really excited about our library. And I, I found that one, I just, I don't know if I agree with like that style of marketing. It feels really gross. And like, I just was a little uncomfortable. And I told them, like I told them flat out, no, some of it, I think, hey, we could talk about this in another podcast, you know, uh, white institutions are not used to black people saying no. Um, my daughter says no all the time. I plan on raising her to say no all the time. Like I think it's important that black folks, particularly black women say no, walk away, just walk away. You don't have to say no, just leave. Um, but, but, but I said no. And, and and I think that like as I as I thought about like even just the, and the reason why I said no, and I, and that's still my stance of like in and branded like ad insertion like that is, um, living corporate. Our whole tagline is real talk in a corporate world. We we talk about right. dismantling. We talk about dismantling uh, harmful, oppressive corporate systems for the sake of Black liberation. We call out brands by name who are doing things that are gross and unethical even if they're not Mm -hmm. wholly illegal. And so it felt like a betrayal of that, of our brand. And at the same time, I was like, but damn, I'm trying to make money. Right. And so there was like this tension of like, okay, but how do I keep my, I want to keep my lights on. At the time, business to business campaigns weren't popping like they were, because this was in, this was like two years ago, last year it was we, we popped off and do crazy shout out to our rain growth agency again but anyway the point is like there's tension there is my point like there's tension in like okay here's what we stand for we also have to keep the lights on i have a whole team of people that i i pay and i want to pay more right. do you do you deal with like have you ever dealt with that or like do you how do you manage your identity or just like the work that you're doing in like this capitalistic context where you're trying to, you know, do something for the greater good. But again, like it's, it's still capitalism. Like how do you balance that?
2: It is. It's such a balance for me because it's a combination of one. I, my, my ethos, everything is reach back as you rise and not just reach back, but reach across, reach up. What I, for me, the two balances in my career is if I can crash through a glass ceiling, if I can open a door, if I can shift something, it allows me to help others. So my role at Rain the Growth Agency me coming on board was also a journey we went through with DEI. In 2020, there was a lot of different articles that were written and things that I was able to drive forward as an agency or within the agency. But it did mean that I was stepping out beyond profit. I was stepping out beyond what made sense necessarily for economic reasons. But what I think is the biggest factor in that is one, knowing that I'm still doing my job, I'm still selling, I'm still growing clients, I'm still doing all those things, but I think you always have to carve out a piece that is I'm giving this back, I'm lifting someone up, I'm making change within my organization, but we need money, we need profits because when the bottom line comes down, if we don't have money and profits, we can't keep the lights on, we can't pay people more, I can't get black women and women of color and men paid more, right, if I don't do those things. The other thing I really think is important is preparing your one, not only your personal core values, but also how to use the money for good and how you do you negotiate differently. So when you talk about the example of kind of buying into podcast ads, how do you negotiate that differently? How do you have a proposal that says, "I only want to I want to do live reads because I want to personally I will not promote something I don't feel personally passionate about," and that's not unique in the podcast space. I mean. We'll have clients will put up for something and someone will be like, mm, not my vibe, not my thing. And so that's the first thing is like, if it's gonna be my voice, I want it to I want it to open a door for someone else. I want it to be a product I'm aligned with. The other piece is push on them. When they say I want to do this with a brand or I want to do this, say, what is that brand, corporate brands, philanthropic events? How can I tie something back to what we're doing? So can you send me something around their DEI efforts that I can highlight? Because I really need for people to understand, yeah, this corporate entity has some faults. There's never going to be a corporate entity that doesn't have faults. B- there's black corporate entities that have faults, right? There's never going yes. They're, so it's both ways. But it's like, yes. how within that entity can I tie into the philanthropic efforts that are making change, that are driving things forward? And I think that's key for me. The other thing I always want to make sure that I'm not doing an inclusion marketing is ever pushing forward a stereotype or doing anything that would in some way damage, not just the brand, but truly have a damaging impact on culture. Uh, for me, that's an eye-opening thing. When I was 13 or 14, I went to Japan and it was a ama- it was an eye-opening moment when I, re- when I realized I wanna get into marketing and I wanted to do something around cultural strategy because in Japan, when I went, their only impression of black people were what they had seen on TV. And that was not good. (laughs) Like it was just not good. And they had this just false impression and it scared me at the time because I'm thinking as marketers, as media, we are impacting how these groups are represented on a global scale. So that really is something else I take into mind on anything we push out the door and I'll fight for something. I'm like, this isn't right. We don't, this isn't, this is a poor reflection. If you have a healthcare campaign and it shows only everyone else is married. Every other ethnicity is married and you get to the black person and it's a single mom who looks like she's on drugs. I'm like, uh-uh, what are we doing right now? So it's those things where you also have to have the bravery to say no. And even to clients sell them. Not only will this negatively impact your brand, but this isn't who you wanna be. Like this isn't who you wanna be. So it, it's a dance across multiple different things. But I think the first step is knowing your core values And knowing what what is your profit and what is your financial goals so that they align with those core values as well.
0: I just love that. Um, Bianca, thank you so much for being a guest on Living Corporate. Consider you a friend. Um, I enjoy all the things that you you work on. I I appreciate your leadership in this space. Um, And uh, we look forward to having you back soon.
2: Anytime. It's an honor to be here. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Talk to you soon. Peace. And we're back. Listen, I want to shout out Bianca Reed again and shout out Rain Growth Agency. Bianca, like for real, like they are, that group over there is some of the dopest people I've ever met. And I met them on the random tip. They are phenomenal. Um, They have helped live in corporate in so many different ways. I just want to thank them again. Make sure you click the link in the show notes to learn more about Bianca, learn more about the work she's doing with the Rain, the Growth Agency. And uh, until next time, y'all, it's been Zach. We'll catch up soon. Peace. Living Corporate is brought to you by Textio. Today's top talent is everywhere, representing everyone, and our work environment should reflect the level of inclusion to meet that standard. Textio achieves this in building more equitable company cultures through the language we use in our job postings. That culture is formed one hire at a time, making the words we use to reach more diverse candidates all the more important. Our advanced language insights and employer brand content is what drives our mission of inclusion. Through our industry-leading application of artificial intelligence and machine learning, we're able to widen companies' reach in finding and building upon the very diverse talent that empowers a culture of belonging. Every door should be open to every qualified job seeker. Again, that's Textio.